church. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Crazy, 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 Crazy. Look at somebody next to you telling them, you crazy. Come on, tell them. You know you've been wanting to say that for a long time. Finally, the pastor gave you permission to tell somebody crazy. You crazy, you crazy. You know, when you, when you ask people often how their week is, they'll, they'll either give one of two things. They'll either say busy or <laughs> crazy, crazy. We often will use those two uh, adjectives to describe what our week is. And, and so we're gonna take the next four weeks really diving into what does it look like for us to kind of find calm in the chaos of life. All of us go through crazy uh, seasons and uh, I wish I could change that for, for many of us. I can't, but God has a lot to say about stress. God has a lot to say about anxiety. God has a lot to say about uh, the crazy schedules that we have that are going on in our lives. And so today we're diving into this, this idea of between school and relationships and all the stuff that we have going on, how, how do we manage this? How do we, how do we find calm and peace in the midst of chaos that's all around us. Now, today I want to talk about an emotional epidemic I think that we have in our society. And this isn't just biblically speaking, even psychologists, secular psychologists will say this. Wall Street Journal says that this thing is responsible for taking more lives than smoking, drinking, and not exercising combined. Uh, University of London says it even this way, that if this emotional epidemic is not properly managed, it is six times more predictive of cancer and heart disease than cigarette smoking, high cholesterol, and elevated blood pressure. So today, the, I am referring to an invisible, meaning you cannot see it, an intangible, meaning you cannot touch it, emotional epidemic called stress, stress. How many of you, this has been a stressful week? Raise your hand just if it's been a stressful week. Okay, so I'm preaching to the right crowd today. All right, so I just wanted to make sure I was talking to the right people. How many know stress does not discriminate? It don't matter if you're white, you stress. If you're black, you stress. If you're Mexican, you definitely stressed. If you are rich, you're stressed. If you're poor, you're stressed. Stress does not discriminate with any of us. We all deal with it. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. And today I want us to unpack really starting with what I am going to call the, 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 the lead verse for this whole series, this theme verse that's found in Luke. I want you to, to go with me there. It's in Luke chapter 21. You should have gotten some notes when you walked in. You can follow along with us. And it says this. This is what Jesus says. He says, be careful. Let, let me just stop there and just say, anytime Jesus says, be careful, how many of you know you need to what? You need to be careful. Anytime you tell your kids, hey, be careful, whatever's about to come, you need to listen to. So Jesus says, hey, listen, you need to be careful. Your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and with the anxieties of what? The anxieties of life, that you and I are going to have some things in our life that are going to try to weigh us down. And one of the greatest things that's going to weigh us down is the anxieties of life. And then he goes on, he says, that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, like a trap. And so many of us, in this room probably feel like we're trapped under the weight of anxiety, under the weight of worry, under the weight of fear, under the weight of all the pressure and stress that's going on. And hey, everybody deals with stress. I mean, everybody. It doesn't even matter what age you are, you deal with stress. How I many know students are stressing over taking the test? Teachers are stressing over grading the test. You got people that are stressing out because they're gaining weight. You got people stressing out because they can't stop losing weight. You got people that are stressing out because they are trying to sell a home, and you got people stressing out because they wish they had a home. 
Come on, somebody. This is, you got people on both sides of the gamut. You got people that are stressing out over the wedding, and you got people that are stressing out over the divorce. You got people that are stressing out because they don't know what to do with their kids. You stressing out with people because they don't know if they want to have kids. You got people that are stressing out from all sides of, of, the, of the aisle, and all of us are going through this. And so I think we are one nation under stress. And statistics prove this because 75% of all visits to primary care physicians are related to stress disorder. Think about that for a moment. 75% of all people that are going into the physician to have him help them with something statistically says that most of these are because of stress disorder. And so here's the bad news. The bad news is I can't fix all that. You're going to have stress in your life. It's called life. You're going to go through stressful times. The good news, though, is how many know God wants to arrest your stress? He wants to help you understand how to biblically manage your stress because you can. Jesus went through stress. Every mighty man or woman of God in Scripture had some kind of stress in their life. Come on, how many know the cross is pretty stressful? Um, All that we are going through in life is going to be stressful in some regards, but Jesus had a way of managing through that stress. And so today, that's where I want us to go. Now, I want to share a quick story with you that's found in the book of Daniel. Uh, we don't go to this book too often, so I thought it'd be great for us to unpack the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is really kind of a warning. Daniel was a prophet. He heard from God and he spoke on God's behalf. They're in a moment where he is the, kind of one of the lead counselors to the king. The king's name is King Belshazzar. King Belshazzar is throwing a party. He's got all of his friends. He's got all of his wives there. That's plural. That's not a good thing. But he's got wives, and he's got all of his people there. He's got all, all of his leaders there, and they're throwing this huge party, and, uh, and they're eating and having a great time. And this is where we catch up in the story. Watch what it says. It says, while they drank from them, they praised their idols and made of gold, made of silver, made of bronze, made of iron, made of wood and stone. So they're praising other gods, and it says this, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. And this is my prayer today. My prayer today, as we, as we navigate through this idea of stress and what a stressful life looks like, I, I'm believing that this series, hopefully, is going to be a suddenly wake-up call for many of us. That's my prayer. Because it says, suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster of the wall. How many of you have ever heard the term, the writings on the wall? This is where it's coming from. That God says, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to step in myself. And he begins to write like a human hand, writing on the plaster of the wall, the king's palace near the lampstand. Now watch what the king does. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. I bet it did. <laughs> his knees were knocking together in fear. His legs gave way beneath him. So his brother passed out. I would too if a hand came up in his place. It says, then the king shouted for enchanters and astrologers and fortune tellers to be brought before him. I mean, no, first off, you cannot go to the world to get spiritual answers. And this is what he does. He goes to worldly leaders to try to get spiritual answers. And I want you to see what happens. He says to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain That's going to be put around their neck. Can you go to the next one? Placed around his necks, and he will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So this is the promise to him. Now, none of these guys can figure it out. 
Thankfully, he has a man of God on his team, a guy by the name of Daniel. Daniel steps up to the plate, and Daniel tells him what this handwriting on the wall actually means. And this is what Daniel says. Watch what the next verse says. This is the message that was written, mine, mine, tikal, and parson. This is what these words mean. Mene means what? Numbered, okay? Underline that, highlight that in your notes. It means numbered. This means numbered, that God has numbered your days and your reign. God has numbered your days. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. The next one, it says, the next meaning means this. Uh, Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided, that your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and to the Persians. Now, for us today, I believe that's the same thing that God is telling us. Now, you don't have a kingdom, per se, but, but God has given you rule and reign. God has given you influence. God has given you a number of days. And this says is that your days are numbered, that your days are weighed, and that your div- days are divided. How many of you know just, just you're going to die? Welcome to our Savior's Church. You're going to die. <laughs> Man, good news today. You're going to die. It's going to happen. A death is going to come to your door at some point. It's going to happen. You're going to die, which, which reminds me of a time when uh, Boudreaux's friend asked him, he said, hey, Boudreaux, you want to you know when you're going to die? And he said, no. He says, why not? He says, I want to know where I'm going to die. He said, why do you want to know where you want to die? He says, because I ain't going to go there. <laughs> so, that's funny. Okay. I didn't <laughs> So you're going to die. You're going to die. It's going to happen. Here, here's what I know, though. Whatever you think you have a lot of, you tend to squander. Whatever you think you don't have a lot of, you tend to manage wisely. Okay, when you got a lot of money, you go to the fair and pay $500, <laughs> okay? When you don't have a lot of money, you're like, we ain't going there, okay? You, you manage things differently when you don't think you have as much of it. And here's what God is trying to tell King Belshazzar, and I believe he's trying to tell us as well. There's going to come a day when your days are numbered. You don't know when that is. You just better make sure you use them wisely. Make sure that you're using these things wisely. Also, he begins to talk about this. And so I, I just wrote a couple of things down, and, and you should have these in your notes. I want you, to, want you to write this. It says, if we don't properly manage our time and opportunities, we live stressed. If we don't properly manage our time and our opportunities, we live stressed. And we will dive way deeper into this in the coming weeks. But I just want us just to start there, that a lot of us are stressed because we're mishandling the time that God has given us and the opportunities that we have. But it goes on. I want want you to add this second part, though. If you don't properly manage stress, the quality of your life is going to greatly diminish If you don't handle stress properly, the quality of your life will affect you. 75% of people are in the doctor because they're not handling stress well. Heart palpitations, high blood pressure, stressed out, having to be on medication to have to deal with all of this that's going on. And so God is is today going, hey, 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 trying to get your attention. The way you're living is not how I called you to live. You're living stressed out, maxed out. Your credit cards are maxed out. Your schedules are maxed out. Everything that you're doing is maxed out, and and you're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? Listen, I know we all got busy, 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 busy schedules, but I, I want us to dive in today what God's Word speaks to us, because one of the things that you see throughout Scripture is something called the Sabbath. We've talked about this in a, in a number of other times before, but 
When God created the world, he created it in six days, and then on the seventh, he rested. Now, here's the question. Did God rest because he was tired? No, because God does not get tired. God does not sleep. God is not tired. So why would God do something for six days, and then the Bible says that he did it to rest? Why would God do that? The reason he did it is because he was modeling something to you and I. He was saying, hey, I'm God, and I can work six days, and I need a day off. You're not me. Don't try to do this on seven days. That you and I need six days of work and then a day off. Come on, can we get an amen for a day off sometimes? We need a day off. And the Bible calls this on a weekly basis a Sabbath. It's actually called the Lord's Day. Now, first off, let me just say this. For many of you, you're already experiencing that today because you're here. You're dedicating this part of your day to the Lord. So, Congratulations, you're here, glad you're here. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back a little bit and I'm gonna say that, that, that God tells us that this is the Lord's day, not the Lord's morning. And I think the reason we're stressed is because we just give God our morning but we don't give God our day. And so I want us to maybe look at what would it look like if we were to give God our day. Now I'm not saying you gotta come to four services. I gotta come to four services now? No, that's not what I'm saying, <laughs> okay? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, though, a Sabbath was meant to be designed for you to take off, to replenish your emotions, to replenish your body, to replenish your heart, to reconnect with God. I I believe on a Sabbath, with the Jewish culture, on the Sabbath, they eat really, really good food on the Sabbath. Come on, somebody. Anybody up on that one? They eat really good. They spend time with their family. They take naps. Do I need to pastorally tell you to go take a nap? Go take a nap, somebody. Jesus, I love you. Mm. Okay? That's actually spiritual. Eating is spiritual. Now, some of y'all are overly spiritual, but that's it's another message. Um, I, can, I can, come on, Popeyes. And so, um, we, we, these are things that God's calling us to do. What, what, where I'm challenging us is, what if instead of just giving the morning, what if we were to give a day to the Lord? What would if we were to give a day to the things that matter? So, so let me share with you three thoughts here, okay? First thought is this. Number one, we need to refocus on what matters most. We need to refocus on what matters most. I've shared this a number of times, but I think it's always worthy to repeat one of the things about being uh, at a funeral is you quickly are reminded of what matters. I did one yesterday. I did, I did a funeral yesterday. Um, we'll do another one actually tomorrow. Um, and funerals are hard. They're hard because, of course, you're grieving with the family and you're walking with people through tragedy. For many people, many times um, when it comes to funerals, you weren't planning on being there. Uh, for, for most of us, it's not something you were preparing for. For some it is, but often it's not. But there's something about sitting in a funeral home or sitting in a funeral service and seeing someone that's in front of you that is no longer there, no longer has breath, no longer has life. It makes you do a, a reevaluation personally of things that matter. And I think there are at least three things in life that matter. Everything outside of that, I don't think matters as much. So let me give you what I believe, what the Bible says matters. First off is that relationships matter. Relationships matter. So I had a guy yesterday get up and he, he shared about his mother. Let me tell you what he did not share about. 
He did not get up and say, hey, I just want everybody to know my mom had $33,000 left in her bank account. My mom had a really nice house. And I, I just want to tell my mom, thank you for the new boat. Appreciate it. None of that. You know what he said? He's, as he's crying, man, my mom was the best. My mom, she, she loved me well. And I can remember and begin to just share stories of things that he remembered about her and things that he's going to miss about her. He wasn't sharing about money. He wasn't sharing about things. You know what he was sharing about? He was sharing about relationships because relationships matter. Here's here's where I I want you to tune in with me, though. Our world and our culture, though, will make you pursue things outside of relationships. So we'll chase the dollar and destroy our relationships in the pursuit of it. We'll chase our careers and at the end of our careers look back and not have a marriage or kids that want to talk to us because dad worked all the time. Well, are y'all with me today? Okay, relationships matter. Listen, a job matters because you need to provide for your family but not at the cost of a family. Not at the cost of, I can never be in church. Not at the cost of, I can't have a relationship with God. You know, when I talk to people, how's your relationship with God? Oh man, it's just been busy. Yeah, because here's what I know. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And this is what the enemy does. The enemy is not about making you bad. The enemy is just making you about so busy that you miss out on your relationship with God and you miss out on your relationship with your friends and your family and your marriage and everybody else. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching right now. Relationships matter. Let me give you the second thing. Purpose matters. Purpose matters. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. God has put you and I on this earth for a purpose, for his purpose. Your job is now to discover what that purpose is. Look what Paul said. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So I run with what? Say it again. I run with what? With purpose. And by the way, listen, if you ever see Pastor Josh running, it's on purpose. Okay? So I don't run for anything else. Okay? I run with a purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just getting up and just, okay, what's going to happen? Like, I have a purpose to my day. I have a purpose to my life. And you and I have purpose. And let me, let me tell you, your purpose in life is not just to take up space. Your purpose in life is not just to make money. Your purpose in life is not just to have things. Come on, your purpose in life is much bigger than you. God has a purpose, purpose that's centered around him first and foremost. Come on, how many know the purpose of my life is to glorify God in all that I do, first and foremost. The second purpose of my life is to make disciples and to share Jesus with people and to do what God has called me to do. This is why we talk about Next Step so much, about you getting plugged in to the life of the church. Because in Next Step, which happens today, step one happens today right during the 1115 service, so right after this service, you can jump in with Next Step. And one of the things that we do is we try to help you discover this. We help you. Most people don't even know what their purpose is. If you ask them, what's your purpose in life? Uh, I don't know. That's a problem. That's a problem. Everything was created for a purpose. That guitar was created on purpose for a person, purpose. This TV was created for a purpose, has a purpose. I'm using it for this purpose. It'd be a whole different thing if I was using this in a different way. But this is what it's designed for. You're the same way. God has designed you with a purpose. You have to discover what that purpose is. And I'm going to tell you, once you discover your purpose, you're going to experience joy like you never have before. 
The reason why people are so frustrated with their life is because they think their whole purpose is about themselves. And I'm going to tell you right now, you'll never find joy trying to fulfill yourself. You will always find joy when you fulfill it in God and you fulfill it in others. That's where joy comes from. And so I can't help you with stress, but I can give you something that's greater than your stress. That's why Jesus said this, for the joy set before me, I endure the cross. Was the cross stressful? Two of y'all. Okay, we're going we're gonna to have a crossing out here in the back. We'll see how it goes. Yes, it was stressful. But why could Jesus say, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross? Because his purpose was to get you and me back. That's what his purpose was. That's why he was able to go through the pain that he went through. Because his purpose was set. Whatever the Father tells me, that's what I'm going to do. Why do people get here at 6.30 in the morning to come serve at this church? Is it because they just love waking up early? It's because all week they've been working, and why in the world would they come? You know why? Because they have a purpose to see you meet God. Meet God. This is why people come and stay. This is why our worship team stays for as long as they do and leads worship, and all of our dream team does it. Why is it? Because they just want to do something? No, it's because they have a purpose. They're fulfilling this purpose. And come on, how many know we're meeting Jesus because people are helping us in fulfilling their purpose? That's why, that's why. And so God is calling us in this to make sure our purpose matters. Let me give you number three, eternity matters. Eternity matters. The vast majority of your life is not gonna be on this side. It's on the other side. And if I can do anything, I am going to try to strongly persuade you to do everything you can for the other side. Work for the other side, give for the other side. Live for the other side. This life is not about the life we're living right now. How many of you thankful that one day there will be no more pain and no more struggle and no more stress? There's coming a day when that's gonna happen and we're so excited about that day what God has prepared for us. But we cannot get so saturated in this life we miss out that this isn't the life. We are just passing through, people. We are passing, we're aliens on to the next side. But God has called us in this moment to prepare for the next moment so eternity matters. Let me give you the, the second thing. Reduce the non-essentials. So we refocus on what matters most, but we reduce the non-essentials. Most of us are stressed out because we, are, we, we have stretched ourselves too thin. Too thin. And I think most people are stretched out too thin because they're saying yes to things they should be saying no to. You cannot reduce your life unless you're willing to say no to some things. So part of it is the refocusing. I got to get my priorities right. What matters in my life? Once I got those in my life, now I've got to reduce the non-essentials. So let me show you a scripture here, and this might help you. This is a practical part here. Ready? This is going to help some of y'all. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 through 5 says this. Carry each other's what? Burdens, for each one should carry their own load. Okay, burdens and load. Burdens and load. All right, so are you ready for what I'm about to share? Are, are you ready? Okay. I don't know if you're ready for this. Are you ready? Okay, here, here it comes, watch. Burden means a boulder. It means, it means something too large for you to handle on your own. You need someone else to help you carry this thing. It is way too big for you. It's, you need other people in your life to help you carry this. Load, though, 
means a backpack. You can carry a backpack. Now, here's why I think so many people are stressed out. Ready? Watch. Because I think a lot of people are carrying other people's backpacks and not just their own. They're not just their own. There are burdens that none of us can carry on our own. We need other people. But then there are just loads that God has given us, things that God has has called us to do that we need to carry on our own. It's just a load. He can carry it. And so, so I just wrote this down. God calls me to help you with what you cannot do. He does not call me to help you with what you will not do. God calls me to help you with what you cannot do. He does not call me to help you with what you will not do. We cannot be responsible for your irresponsibility. If you're 30 and still living at home and don't have a job, you need a job. Like, mom, stop paying for all of that. They can say it a little louder. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk to all the Facebook people because nobody in here is dealing with this right now. Okay. God has called me to help you with what you cannot do, but he has not called me to help you with what you will not do. And some people are wanting other people to carry their load, and they want, they want to put it off like it's a burden. It's not a burden. It's just a load, but it's, a, it's now becoming a burden because they won't do it themselves. I am not responsible for your irresponsibility. So what this, uh, this is not popular, by the way. This is not popular. I know this. Some of you already don't like me, so it's okay. But here's what I know. If you will learn to say no, you will trade popularity for respect. If you will learn to say no, you'll trade popularity for respect. And some of us are saying yes to people that we should be saying no to because you want their approval. You want their affirmation. You want, I, I don't want my mother-in-law to be upset with me because what if we don't go to that party? We all got to go, we got to go to the party because what's going to happen if we don't go to the party, then we're going to be, oh, well, we don't go. I know during the holidays, Lindsay and I had to, had to start putting our foot down on some things because everybody and every family member wanted us to go to every function that they were going to. And so we just said, no. Hey, everybody, let's practice this for a minute. Watch. Everybody say, no. no. Come on, like, like with a little sass. No. Okay, yeah. Get used to it, okay? You can tell your kids it. Tell your friend it. No. Like, I... <laughs> Those kids already know that one. They don't need to know that one. <laughs> kids, say yes. Okay, say yes. <laughs> there, are, there are things that you've just got to realize. Like, I'm not, like, your boss calls and just says, like, hey, can you, can you do some overtime? I, 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 we really need you right now. And your wife's over here going. <laughs> and you have a choice to make. Now, I understand where there's times where you don't have a choice to make and you have to go. That's, it is. But there's some of us that are saying yes to things that we should be saying no to. Now watch this. All right, I'm going to help you here. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to someone else. So every time, every time I say yes to this, I say no oftentimes to her. Most of the time what ends up happening is we say yes to everybody else and our family gets the no. It happens often. Or our kids get the no. And so I, I'm challenging us in this series. And listen, I'm challenging myself in this series to have to say no. It, it has been the hardest thing for me as our church has grown. Like some people are like, hey, Pastor Josh, can you do this? Can you do this? And I'm like, I know if I say yes, I'm saying no to my family. 
And so there's sometimes where I've had to say, like, I just, I cannot. Pastor JJ can maybe help you, or Pastor Bubba can help you, or we can have someone else can help you, but I'm not going to be able to do that because when I turn 60, I want my kids and my wife to still love me. Like, anybody with me here? Like, we've got to be willing to trade popularity for respect, and sometimes it's, it's knowing your boundaries, and you've got to be able to reduce some of those non-essential things that are in your life. You've got to reduce some of those so you can say yes to the things that really matter. Can I get an amen from somebody in here? Okay, and this is important. And listen, that may even be with some church things. Uh, we want you to be engaged in your relationship with God, with your family. We don't want anything to take away from those things. Uh, we want you to be walking in your purpose, doing what matters most. This is, this is huge here. So say no, except if your pastor asks, and you have to say yes. No, I'm joking. So, all right, let me give you number three. As we close out, we need to reprioritize our life. We need to reprioritize our life. So I am going to, uh, for purpose of this point, I want to give you a visual now. So <clears throat> I want you to imagine for a moment that these jars represent your life. This represents your capacity, all that you can handle. And inside of here are all the different things that go on in our lives that fill our crazy schedules. So you got all those text messages that happen, all those phone calls, all those work appointments. You got all those emails that you got to hit all the time. You got kids, take up a lot of these. Um, if we're honest, about 80% of this is Facebook. Um, there's a lot. This, this, this is all the things that happen in our life. But then you have the things that actually matter. Like, okay, my relationship with God matters. It matters. So I've, I've got to get that, get, got to get that in there. And then my purpose matters. Like I need to live my life for purpose. Like I need to do things that, that matter to what God's called me to do. And so you got, that's got to go. And then, of course, eternity matters. And my marriage matters. And my kids matter. The problem is, <laughs> it doesn't fit. Because once I fill my life with all these other things that I got going on, when I try to actually put the things that actually matter, it's, it, it doesn't fit. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. And here's where I want to help you. Ready? Order determines capacity. Everybody say that with me. Order determines capacity. All right, now I want to help you here, okay? So it's not just as important as what you got going on in your life. The most important thing is for you to figure out when you need to be doing them. Because when you do them is actually just as important as what you're doing. Because what goes first matters. So what would it look like and instead of us giving our spouse or us giving our family or us giving God the leftovers and we're trying to cram it all in, what would it look like if instead we decided that we're going to put God in first? What if we said like, no, you know what? Sunday mornings or now Sunday nights is not even an option. Like if we're home, we're here. So we're gonna make sure that we're gonna be at church. We're gonna make sure that we're spending time with God. I'm gonna make sure that in the mornings before I go and start going through all my emails and all my text messages and all my Facebook messages, like I'm gonna actually spend time with God first. That's the first thing that I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make sure that my time with the Lord is the first thing that I do. And then I'm gonna make sure that my marriage, my relationships, like, because those matter. I'm gonna make sure that I, I put those in there. And then I'm gonna make sure more than anything that 
I'm going to do things for eternity. And then watch what happens when you actually put the first things in first. When you put the first things in first. It still fits. We didn't take anything away. Because order determines capacity. Some of you are trying to figure out why your finances are so out of whack. Because God's last, he's not first. You tip, you don't tithe. And you know why I know that is? Because yesterday I asked, what is one of the greatest stressors that you have? And over 50% of you said finances. You know why? Because God's last. He's up here. And you're like, I don't know how we're going to do the, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. It's amazing. And I can tell you countless stories of how many people that when they put God first, how God could took care of everything else. What would it be like if the first thing you did in the morning was you spent time with God before you talked to, before you talked to people, you talked to God. Could you just imagine what your day would look like if you talked to God first before you talked to people first? What would it be like if you talked to God first before you replied to that email? What would it look like if you talked to God before you put together your plans? Do y'all see what I'm talking about? If we will put God first, order determines capacity. God, I don't know if I can take on anymore. Maybe, just maybe, it just might be that you got things in the wrong order and you're overflowing and you can't handle it. But if you would just put things in the right order, God could help you handle it. This is what God is calling us. Watch what Matthew 6 says. Matthew 6 says this. Says, so don't worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Be happy. Okay, all right. So, you know, you wanted to say it. You wanted to. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. How are we going to pay this bill? And how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do that? I don't know. Don't worry about all that. Don't worry about all that. People who don't follow Christ worry about all those things. Here's why you don't have to worry about all those things. Ready? Because your heavenly father, what does he do? He knows. Your father knows. He knows what you need. Now watch this. Watch what the next verse says. But seek what? Say it again. Seek what? Seek first. Whatever you do first has the power to bless the rest. Whatever you do first has the power to bless the rest. Because when we seek first God, when we seek first his kingdom, when we seek first his righteousness, when we seek first his plans, when we seek first his desires, watch this. All these things will be given to you as well. God says, can you steward what I've given you already? Can you do those things first? Order determines capacity. God, I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. Could it be, could it be that I've got the order in the wrong place? That I come. This is critical for some of you. And I'm going to tell you why I think it's critical. Some of you right now are so stressed out, your body is feeling it. Like your body is giving you warning signs right now. Like you can't sleep. You have to take medicine just to go to sleep. You're full of anxiety. You're full of worry. And you're physically feeling it right now. You feel the stress of it. That's not God. That's not God. God has something that he wants for you. So I want to end today with this last verse. And I, I want this to be a verse that you take to heart. And I want you to hear as if Jesus is saying this over yourself. This is what Matthew chapter 11, then Jesus says, everybody say this, 
What does he say? Come to what? Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. And I love this. Because I really think this is a lot of what salvation does. And we don't speak about this enough. I think one of the things what a relationship with God does is it gives you rest. Like, Rest to stop having to strive for something that you already have. Like rest to not try to have to earn approval because God's already given it to you. Rest to not have to worry about things because God already knows it and God's taking care of it. And even when you don't see it, how many know God's still working on it? This is the rest. And I think there's some, I think there's some men in here right now that you've been under stress and your family doesn't even know about it. You've been carrying a weight, no one knows. I think there's some moms in here. You've been stressed out because you feel like you've gotta be a savior, like you've been trying to help everybody. You're helping your, your husband, you're helping your kids, you're helping your, I think there's some single parents in here that you're just stressed out, it's just been a big weight. This is the beauty of what the, the church is, by the way. The Bible says that the church is a spiritual family. And so one of the things is that when there's burdens in our lives, those boulders, how many know we got a spiritual family that helps us lift those? Helps us lift those. God is coming today, and I believe he's coming to give rest. He's coming to give rest. If you're here in this place, and it's just been one of those weeks or one of those months or maybe one of those years, and it's just been crazy and it's been stress, and you're feeling it, I want you to just raise your hand all across this room. If that's you, going up all across this room. Wow, wow. Now I want you to do this. I want you to lift your other hand. We're gonna receive what God has for us today. Come on, I want you to do this. We're gonna just lift our hands. We're gonna do two things today. We're releasing. We're releasing. Releasing the burden. Releasing the stress. Releasing the fear. And then we're gonna receive what God has for us today. So Father, right now, in this moment, God, we release, we release fear, we release anxieties, we release worry. God, we release all the things that our mind has been so consumed with. God, many people in here that are going to bed at night and their mind has been so consumed with these things. God, we do what your scripture says in this moment and we come to you. We come to you. We come to you. We thank you that you're the burden lifter. You're the burden lifter. So God, we bring our finances to you. We bring our relationships to you. We bring our job to you. God, we bring our school to you. God, we bring, Lord, the expectations of others. We bring those to you, God, and we ask, Lord, that you would come. Thank you that your word says that as we seek you first, that all these things you know of, all these things you take care of. So God, in this moment, I pray that you would downpour a fresh level of peace. God, a fresh impartation of strength. I pray right now, those who have been physically feeling this, sleep, rest, energy, health. Speak that over your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you receive that, come on, say, I receive that.
I receive that. Mm. You know, the, the reason why many of us are stressed is because the relationship is not working because order determines capacity. The first thing that's got to go in is the relationship with God. That's the first. That's the first. If you try to do everything apart from God, you're going to be stressed. You're going to be stressed. And so in here today, some of you are here, maybe you came for a baptism to celebrate someone that got baptized. Maybe you just, you just came today. And I, I want to invite you into the greatest relationship that ever you can walk into, which is a relationship with God. When I talked about rest, some of you right now, you're so restless because you're trying to make your life good. You're trying to make your life right, and you just feel exhausted. Hey, can I just tell you, I was a, what I call a professional Christian for years. I knew how to do all the Christian things, but I was exhausted because I was trying to earn my way to God. And you just can't. You can't. There's never good enough things that you can do until I learned that I'm not a slave. I'm a son. That God has called me into relationship with him and he loved me enough that everything that he did on the cross was enough for me. And if you're here in this place and you've been doing an inner struggle, you've been trying to find that peace, you've been trying to find that calm, you've been trying to find just that satisfaction to know like, God, I, I don't know if I can do enough. I'm just here today to tell you you can never do enough, but God has done enough. And God loves you so much and he's got a plan for you. And there's no sin too great that'll separate you from how much God loves you. And if you're here in this place, you go, Pastor Josh, I want to know that. I want to know him like that. I want to surrender my life to him. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room, come on, there's hands going up all over. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, Praise God. You can put your hands down right there where you are. I want you to pray this with me. We're going to pray this together. I want you to mean this with all your heart. I want you to say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for sending your son to die on a cross, to take my sin, my shame, and my guilt. You faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go. And you rose again to give me a place in, uh, in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with your father. Come on, I want you to say this with all your heart. Say, I'm sorry from living my life for myself. Today, I surrender my life. I make you Lord and Savior. God be my father. Jesus be my Savior. Holy Spirit, come be my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name.